Wow, we're we're back again. I, I we, you know, guys, I don't think we when I thought we'd start this, I didn't think we were gonna get to like three episodes, let alone four. Like, what a record, right? It's amazing. I never thought so either. I didn't. I was amazed when we got to one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, like sometimes you just gotta say yes, which I guess is what you know kind of brings us to our topic today, huh? And we still don't have a sponsor. We don't have a, don't have a sponsor picked yet. We haven't picked chosen the one. Uh, I think I think we're gonna be sponsored by like some sort of uh just just hopelessness. Is that <laughs> <laughs> is that a brand? <laughs> that, that's a brand. Can we reach out to hopelessness? I think we could get them on board. I definitely do. So what's but, our topic? What do you want to talk about? Oh, I think our topic is going to be rejection today, right? I think we've talked about sex. We've talked about taboo. taboo. Uh, we've talked about kink. So the obvious, the next step in this progression is rejection, right? Got to be. Makes sense to me. So uh, rejection is definitely something that I think quite a lot about. There's a... Uh, there's a particular detail that comes with uh, uh, ADHD called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So whenever I think about the term rejection, I think about that particular aspect for me, uh, which is it's an interesting detail because uh, reje rejection sensitivity dysphoria means that like you will perceive rejection and it'll, you'll feel it very strongly, but you may even perceive it when it's not actually a thing. It's not actually happening or you will perceive that it's happening a lot more like vehemently. You feel it a lot stronger. So like there are times in, in my day, like, and this happens every day uh, where like, I, I'll actually kind of feel a pain uh, because I'm like, like, Oh, cause I, I will, I will spiral onto something where I think that like, you know, somebody is uh, saying something and it has, it has really nothing to do with me, but I'm taking it that way. What'd so, you call uh, it? Did you have a name for it? Did you say that? Or am I? So, uh, yeah, the, the symptom as far as ADHD is concerned, is called rejection sensitivity dysphoria and dysphoria basically means that like, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to define a word without actually looking it up. So let's, uh, yeah. let's actually get the actual definition of dysphoria. Yeah. Go to Googs, go to Googs. Right. And see. <clears throat> so, so dysphoria I... is a state of unease or generalized dissatisfaction with life. But when we attach it to a particular detail, it means that you have this unease and general like negative feeling about a particular topic. So for me, it's rejection sensitivity where like I, I have this feeling of rejection. Is there, uh, is, is there like, are we talking about a specific realm of rejection or just kind of a general rejection? That's a, that, that's a good thing to bring up. So uh, a lot of people, when they think about rejection, they think about it primarily in regard to romantic relationships. But when I think about rejection, I think about it in any kind of interpersonal relationship. So like it is it, particularly difficult for me at my work, like well, when I have a job. Uh, if I sense that like, you know, something like maybe I'm working on a project and, you know, my boss walks by and maybe I've laid it out in like red and yellow or something like that. And he comes to mind and he says like, well, I like blue. I'll be like, my next thought is I'm going to be fired. And that's not, that's not a logical projection or progression there. Like the thing is just like, oh, he's telling me what he likes. But in my brain, I'm like, how did I not know? that he liked blue and why didn't I set this out in blue and why didn't I ask that question ahead of time and how could I be so stupid to allow this to happen this late in the project why didn't I get this stuff up front so it like creates this spiral and so for me when I get those types of feelings it's very important for me to try to stay calm because sometimes I mean and like the kicker here is sometimes you're actually being rejected and it, rejection does hurt, but like to try and discern whether or not, oh, is this actual rejection or is this just something I'm perceiving? Is this just a pain in the moment? So that I suffer from to this too. Point. Yep. Um, to an extreme degree. Um, and I've suffered from it most of my life without having a word for it. And it's, it's amazing to me to learn so much about myself so quickly. Mm -hmm. But like, it's always been there. So it's like an explanation to why, like, if you don't respond to me and it's like, it's been a day, 
I assume you're never going to talk to me again. Like that's my, that's my rational thought is that you are going to leave me forever, Mm -hmm. but it's irrational. I call it, but that's what my brain interprets the fact that I'm no longer a part of your life. Otherwise, why didn't you respond? What did I say to make you upset? Or, you know, so that's, it's, it's a crazy, I don't want to use the word crazy. It's a, it's a difficult thing to deal with. You know, my first thought was that <clears throat> it actually could be rational. That's the thing. Like, it's not <laughs> rational, but it could. Be. I mean, maybe they are going to leave. And and really, the issue then gets to it, that has to be okay. It, it has to be okay that if someone were to reject you, that you can accept it and still move on. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably ju- I'm jumping ahead. So but that's kind of, that I think, I think that that's kind of like, you know, uh, so, so I'm neurodiverse, right. In that regard with you know, ADHD, the, the way that my brain works is a little different than like the neurotypical, uh, as far as like, well, I gotta be all right with like people leaving me. And I, and I used to like really go, go hard on that idea. But what that eventually does is like people with rejection sensitivity dysphoria, actually, they kind of go two routes. They either become people pleasers because they're constantly trying to please everyone so that they don't leave or they stop trying altogether because it's like, well, they're all going to leave me anyways. I got to be all right with it. So I'm just going to be fine with this person not liking me and that's going to be okay. And then like, I I mean, in, in some regards, I'll even have these moments where like, well, if they're going to leave me, I want them to, to, to like walk out on my terms, or at least like I have some sort of control over it. So at least I earned it, you know, like, a, you know, something like that. And those perceptions, they're not always true. And like, I think a lot of the, the reason why is because like the, an ADHD brain, ADHD brain, uh, the way that we process information is like, we, we don't really have a filter on the information that comes in. So like when you're going through your regular day, uh, data will come in kind of like through channels and you'll know, oh, I got to act on this and this and that and the other thing. But with ADHD, everything's coming in all at once. So we are overloaded with data. But what eventually happens is when we catch up, we put the data model together and we get pattern recognition and it comes across as intuition. So we tend to be pretty good at reading people. But when we're reading different details and we have a negative interaction, we're assembling all these little disparate details and putting them together and then if we're in the wrong state of mind or we're having a bad day it just turns into well that one time when they looked across the room while we were talking and it was probably because i was talking too much so they're they're turning they're tuning out and i'm i'm boring them right now and uh this is just going to keep happening so it's probably good that they're gone and then you just kind of throw your hands up and it's like this all the time. Do, do you think that it's fair to say, because, and this, this is where my mind is, is do you think it's fair to say that everyone deals with this on some level? Of course, there's people that probably are hypersensitive, like what you're explaining, but everyone has that in their head and everyone has that fear of not being accepted or, um, you know, of whatever. You bet. Uh, I think, I think that this is, uh, uh, so there's a reason why, like, when I talk about ADHD and I try to explain it to people in general, like, I will basically say it's the human condition turned up to 11. Because a lot of people can understand what it's like to have parts of this, but they don't understand what it's like to have it at the level that, you know, it becomes this trait or, uh, you know, it is diagnosed as a disorder. So it is a lot of this stuff does seem pretty understandable and it's like, Oh yeah, I've felt that once before, but like when you don't have a sense of control or an ability to dial it back is when it becomes uh, difficult. So like, uh, for instance, like with ADHD, I can focus on things. I just don't have control over what I can focus on. I can focus very, very well. In fact, too much. In fact, but like I can't point it in the right directions oftentimes. So when your sense of stimulation is emotional and you have a a pain response, 
you will focus on it. I mean, much like we talked about with kink last week, with like, you know, spanking being a pain response that causes you to focus on the here and now. If you are in emotional pain and it is from rejection, you will focus on it. And if you don't have the ability to distract yourself from it and focus on another task, you will spiral on it. So like, that's why there is a high instance of like, you know, like depression as like an extension of ADHD because this, this, this uh, rejection sensitivity dysphoria is, it's highly prevalent with people with ADHD. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I, I tend to feel like a huge purpose of life is connection is connecting with people and rejection is like the opposite of that. Right. So, mm -hmm. so when, when like, that's why I feel like it is, it is something that everyone deals with on, and they deal with it on varying levels. They, and they respond to it in various ways. I think sometimes you get, you know, you might see someone who seems very arrogant, but that stems from a place of fear of rejection, of you know, you know, they're actually very fragile and they've chosen to deal with it by being a tough person, you know, and a and an overly, you know, high view of self. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's called masking, right? Like mm -hmm. that's what that's what people do whenever they're in a situation where they have to operate, but they either have feelings or thoughts or uh, fears, emotions, whatever, whatever it's going to be that's going to make you feel unsettled. You'll mask so that you can fit into the situation or that you can find a way to get out of it in some sort of coping mechanism or uh, you know, that you can manage it. So like there are times when like I will uh, put on the mask like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm fine. It's cool. It's cool. It's all right. You know, like I like, hey, there's times when I don't like people. It's fine but for people to not like me, you know, but like on the inside, you're just kind of like, uh, why don't they like me? I mean, like. Right. I mean, for me, like, honestly, for me, like, I'm all right with people not liking me, but I want to know that I actually that it like that there was some truth to it. Like, like if they're fine with like sometimes I'm kind of obnoxious or maybe like the fact that like for me, you're not obnoxious. You just have a big personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got a smile out of me. Good for you. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting detail because like you put on you put on these masks to try and like function in the in in the moment or with particular people and it's difficult and also it you get so used to wearing the masks that it's hard to take them back off again and then you get in this situation where like if you don't have like a safe space or someone that you can be vulnerable with that, you know, if you don't have like an area where you can be true, you feel like you're trapped within these masks and that no one knows you. And that mm -hmm. can lead to real despair. So the way that I fight this sort of thing personally, uh, cause like, I, you know, I feel this very like every day to, to some extent or another is, I try to practice being vulnerable and being very, very truthful about everything all the time. Like, I mean, it's one of the reasons, like, you know, I guess one of the hallmarks of me on this, even this show is like, I just kind of tell you guys the truth of what's going on. And like some of the stuff that I've like already communicated on this show is kind of embarrassing or maybe others might think it's more embarrassing, but like, I don't know. Like when I think about it, like I kind of think about my dad and he was just, he was just the kind of fellow that like, he like he would fart and burp wherever the hell he was and then like he, he didn't seem to care but like i mean i know he did but i think he just kind of gave up on caring about whether or not people liked him or not because it would it, you know he could spiral too much on it that's my guess i could be projecting i mean he never told me that and i'll never know but like i know for me that the more i am truthful in the moment mm -hmm. and like straightforward and give myself time to breathe. Like, especially if I get that pain, if I get that pain, that stabbing pain, where it's just like, oh, I'm really rejected is to, because like in the moment, like the other aspect of ADHD is this really, it, it, it's kind of a one-two punch is 
the impulse control. And when under pain, you want to do something about it. You want to take action. You want to soothe yourself. You want to get out of the situation. Maybe uh, like I'll flee from a situation sometimes, but like oftentimes the right thing to do is to just sit there and try to remain calm. And <laughs> that's hard to do. I am working on it. Um, I'm still uh, at the point uh, where I've started piecing together my why, my origin story as to what got me to this point. And that was something that happened this week for me. And I've been living in it. And I'm still there. Uh, obviously, I'm, I don't. I'm not giving off the same energy I have in other episodes. Mm -hmm. um, I had shut down uh, communication with my mom for like at least six months talking to her and touch was gone for at least two years. Um, and this is a person who's been around me for 330 days. And so I finally reached my breaking point uh, when I saw a box, an empty box on the hood of her car outside. That was all it took. I know it, it was off topic, but I, mm -hmm. I that, that was my origin story to bring me inside to go, like, how many times do I have to ask to, like, not leave stuff outside like that? It's, I think it's tacky, you know, and that's, it's, this is, I purchased a house so that I wouldn't have tacky stuff outside like you always have. And I was very open about where this was. And she was like, oh, you're getting angry and tried to walk away. And I was like, don't do that to me. Like, I need to discuss this. Like, I'm upset and I want to talk about it. And that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, you're angry. And, and you haven't, you want to talk to me now? You know, you haven't talked to me in six months. I'm like, I do. And this is why I can't talk to you. Because when this starts, you get angry and run away. And so that's what I've learned. Is that before I get rejected, I can just run away. And I control that. And that's not even the, the icing on, on the breaking of my back. That's the beginning of the conversation. I just don't want to hog this whole show with that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you that, like, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, almost, like, probably 10 years ago, maybe 11. So I was diagnosed as an adult. And, like, not that I couldn't have been diagnosed as a child. That's something that's a story for another time. Like all of, all of the signs that were there all throughout my life where maybe I could have gotten help earlier, but like, uh, I didn't find out about rejection sensitivity dysphoria as like a collection of behaviors. And they have finally grouped them together in this, like, this is a an actual symptom of, of ADHD and we know it is, and we know that it's highly prevalent, but we just didn't realize like what it was. I don't think that I found out about that until so two years ago, and I've read it. I read it in an article. It was like on this, there's this online website about ADHD. It's called Attitude, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E. And I like went on there and I, and I read it and there's articles. And I, and I read it and I was just like, oh, this is exactly me. And then I sat in a room and bawled for like 15 minutes straight. And I couldn't come out of the room for 20 because I was like, I had done crying. And I was just like, and like the five minutes after, I was just like trying to put myself back together. And I realized while I was put, putting myself back together, I'm like, I'm trying to put the masks back on so I can go back out to work. And I was just like, oh, this is, I'm doing it again or still or more. And uh, I, I just, and then everything. For the weeks after, I was just like, you know, trying to piece it together. And like, you know, I started asking questions and like, was there medication for this? And like, or like, how do I fix this? Do I go to talk therapy and like talk therapy? Like they've actually said this, like, yeah, talk therapy is good for like piecing things together to heal after. But like in the moment when you are feeling it, the feeling is so like stab painful, like uh, it's so acute that like trying to be mindful about it, which mindfulness for ADHD years is already kind of difficult. But trying to be mindful in the moment is, it's a Herculean task. It's very difficult because you'll feel it. And then you're just like, I don't, what do I do with this? And like, yeah, like where you, you know, you want to be calm, you know, you want to be like, you know, take a moment and maybe assess like, is this my actual perception or is this reality? But Can like, we talk about that though? Like, what if it's real? Like, what if you're not wrong? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what if... Mm -hmm. 
what if there is a part that is true that it's like you did offend somebody and they're not telling you mm-hmm. and it's like you're reading into that because like that's what that means is is the game that you've played your whole life exactly i mean like and i know for me like i've just gotten to the point where like i start asking questions or i try to be as honest as possible so just be like hey i don't know if this is true but i just want to ask if this is it and like what ends up happening for me is like there are other people who are all on board with playing the truth game and they will be honest with me and those are the people that like even if I have a bad interaction with them, like I can loop back with them at some other time, maybe send them a message or there'll be like an open dialogue or they'll reread something that I said and then they'll close the loop later. And like those interactions, God, like they're few and far between, but boy, do I appreciate them. Like I've had like you know, one of those instances like fairly recently where like I said something and then there was a text message kind of exchange after the fact. And like we got to the end of it and it was good. And then they also, they sent me a message the next day and thanked me that I went through this. And I was like, wow, Man, if I could have that with more people, that would be great. But then there are other people who I'll ask them honestly, and they won't give me the truth back. And eventually it does come out because the truth does the truth does come out. That's the way that it that's the thing about it. Truth comes out. And eventually you do find out. And then you're just like, well, you could have told me this whole time. And like <clears throat> I don't know. Eventually what happens for me is I end up having a boundary. I have a boundary with people who can either just be radically honest with me or they can't. And if they can't be radically honest with me, then I struggle. So there's a, there's a, there's some, some uh, work to be done on, on really understanding that other person. So like, because to be honest, like there, there are probably some people that just have their own issues to deal with before they will be able to be honest with someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And you you can't force that to happen. But, um, but one key piece is, is one key factor in someone not being open and honest in a dialogue is going to be if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel like this conversation is going to be safe um, or there's no trust there. Like you have to have trust that they're going to be able to say what they want to say and and that it's not going to they're not going to get their head bitten off or it's not going to come back to haunt them so there has to be this like mutual trust when that dialogue's happening and and I th- so I I don't in some ways I feel like you have to do the groundwork there before you can just run up to someone and just tell them your honest feelings you know you, you have to be sensitive to the idea that you need to you need to make sure that you create an environment that's safe and that they know that it's safe to be there and 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 then at some point you know i, I i've said said this actually recently to someone where it's like <clears throat> all you can really control is that your door is open your door of communication is open you can't open their door for you uh someone once once painted the picture for me like like you're in a, a adjoining hotel rooms you know with that door mm-hmm. you can open your door but you can't make them open their door but you can make sure that your door is open when their door opens <laughs> like and so if it, so it's like so there's this you know i don't know it's a no uh, jordan i think i think you're you're hitting the nail like square on the head like i think that you're really uh hitting a, a very good point here in this regard and like in creating a safe place where people can be truthful with you. But like, like, so for instance, personal story, like in my last long-term relationship, like there, there were some problems and not talking about, you know, I I was married. And then after I was married, I had like another long-term relationship about six years and we were engaged and we lived together. But like, you know, I checked with her after the fact that I asked her some questions and she said, it just seemed like you were fragile about certain things. Cause like, with the ADHD, like I would forget stuff like small mundane things like putting the, the dishes away and I, like it would stress her and it was like kind of hard to live with in that regard. And like because she'd be like, hey, you left the dishes out again. And then I would go, fuck, you know, I would have this immediate thing because I'd get upset with myself over these little things that I would miss. And I'm like, why can't I get 
the small stuff done? Why do why can I always be great in a crisis or do the big project, but the little things I struggle with? And I would react, but like the way that she took that in was like, oh, he's fragile about the little things. How can I talk to him about something big? And it was wrong. Like, I mean, it's the exact reverse with a person like me, where like a big detail, like you can bring to me and I will calm right the fuck down. I'll be like, all right, it's it's crisis time. Let's let's do this the most healthiest way possible but like it wasn't like we didn't have that that framework we didn't have those perspectives mm-hmm. to know that like the safe place was there so it, it has to be like i mean like if you want to be if you want to work in a realm of truth with people you do have to kind of do the work of being a caring individual right and try <laughs> to try to present being safe it's hard hey. It goes back to the thing, though. Like, what if you tell them something about yourself and they're going to leave you because of it? Because they're like, they're going to judge you because that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, you're a weird person and you have weird things that you say and people don't understand that. And so you say weird things. I don't know. Like, I, I still have that issue. Well, it's kind of like, you know, like when we're a kid, right? Your parents would say, well, if they, if, if your friends say that you got to break the rules, then, then, you know, they're not your really friends or, you know, like that sort of thing. Like the, this idea that like you need to surround yourself with people who can handle the, the, the true you, right? But that's hard to do. Right. I mean, it takes trust. Like you can't, you can't just expect unfortunately you can't just expect to just walk up to someone that you don't know very well and just start telling them the brutal truth like and because there is there's a there's work to be done all around like there's a difference between i was just reading a quote the other day like there's a difference between talking to someone and talking at someone and and what we actually want is talking with someone like that's what the conversation so if if you approach them to tell them the truth or you're you're but you're talking to them or at them that's different than having a dialogue with them and mm-hmm. and everyone's feeling safe and accepting of the, they're ready to hear the truth and are ready to share the truth <clears throat> i think for me like you know like I, I i speak about this from time to time but like this idea of vulnerability right like when i'm embracing vulnerability my defense has come down and I'm generally a more pleasant person to deal with. Uh, and I like that. I like, I like vulnerable Tyson. It, it reminds me of like, you know, the, the part of the parts of me that I love the most, like I love, like I call the, the best part of me, Parker's dad. I really love that guy. Mm-hmm. Cause like he's vulnerable. He stops and listens. He, you know, that sort of stuff. He's the man that I want to be. And, uh, being vulnerable with people all the time out in public in your daily life whether or not you're professional personal whatever it's a better state for me but when you're vulnerable that's exactly what you are you're vulnerable and like there are times when i am vulnerable with people and then they go right on and hurt and they hurt me sometimes i have to be all right with getting hurt by them and just trying to stay calm because like like the fact of the matter is is like the pain of being actually hurt from someone while i'm being vulnerable while it hurts in the moment at least that pain's more real and easier to manage than the pain of what's going on inside my mind when i'm second guessing all the time Mm -hmm. so like the idea of trying to be vulnerable tyson as much as possible and being all right that sometimes I'm going to get, I'm going to take a hit on it. And I have like, but it's a lot less frequent than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror. Right. And, and, and love yourself. The, the, and let's be, honest, that's, let's be that's honest. hard to do. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> let's be honest. Sometimes we deserve to be uh, re- rejected for something we said, you know, I had a, uh, I had a, I was on a first date once. Uh, this was in high school and, um, I chose, I chose to say a joke. Um, it had something to do with homosexual aliens. Um, 
something like if if aliens were homosexuals how would we even know or something like that and and uh i thought it was an interesting conversation uh <laughs> never heard from her again <laughs> I probably deserved that she, she was probably a gay alien <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, she, I mean, she was just triggered by the fact that, like, you were calling her a homosexual because she was an alien. Just... <laughs> I mean, and, but I mean, but seriously, like, there there is a point in this conversation. We need to get to the place where it's like, yeah, you're going to get rejected. Sometimes it's going to happen, and it might be valid. It might be that someone is leaving you, and and you might feel like rejection. Maybe they're healthier than that, and they're just putting boundaries in place. But it feels like rejection to you, like. Um, and, and it's not like, like when I first made that comment earlier, uh, you know, we kind of Tyson, your response was kind of like, it was almost more extreme than what I was meaning. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's not like you just go around saying, ah, it's okay. You know, but, but it's, it's more, it's, it's more of like, you have to work to build your self-confidence that some people aren't going to like you. Some people aren't healthy enough to deal with, you know, they're not able to have that conversation. So when you're opening up, they, and they, and you say something that maybe is a, whatever it rubs them the wrong way. They run for the Hills. We, and we all have that feeling. Cause I think we're all kind of saying that everyone has this kind of runaway disconnect, thing when 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 things get tough and things get stressful and and i know for myself and i think for most people disconnecting and isolating is not healthy for me it's not what i want i i have i have had to tell myself i've had to look myself in the mirror and, and say jordan you do not disconnect from this mm-hmm. you you lean into it take the punches take the heat have the conversations it's the only way forward um but not everyone's going to do that some people are going to listen to the voice saying disconnect run away and you have to understand that you you're capable of doing that too and and get to a place where you can be all right that they did that to you not not all right like it's okay but like i think move on kind of like I definitely think you're 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 touching on a topic here that is that is very important. Like, it becomes easier to take your vulnerability with you out and ha- and and allow people to like have access to the soft the soft the soft cuddly bits, right? Um, it's 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 easier to do that when you practice it, but it's also easier to do that when you have some sort of sense of at least one relationship in your life where like that at least one person sees the vulnerable person who you are and they accept it and a lot of the times it builds off of kind of a positive track record but it's hard if you're left by yourself and you don't have the one the one thing to like to go you don't have the safe place to like build from and you're stuck without a foundation and then you're still supposed to be vulnerable like where do you go when you hurt like when, like when we feel feelings of fear, like sometimes people use anger to cope, but like realistically, like when you feel fear, you should cope by like seeking comfort and security instead of smashing the thing that is making you feel afraid. But too often when we don't have a place that makes us feel secure, mm-hmm. comforted and all right, we're only left with smash the thing that makes us feel that way. So a lot of this stuff starts with one person, right? Having mm-hmm. one relationship where you feel that you can be honest, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And like when, like when you're going through it and you're realizing it the kind of first time, right? Like that's when you get, that's when it starts to break you down. Cause you start looking around like shit, fuck nobody knows me. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can feel really lonely, even when you're in a crowd of people. At the end of the day, you're by yourself. You you're by your you are alone. At the end of the day, you are alone inside your head and inside this world. You are alone. Yeah. That's it. You're gonna die alone. No one's dying with you. You die alone. 
Yep, and it, it's it. I Is mean, that like, the bit? <laughs> you gotta change that bit. <laughs> Could be, but like the fact of the matter is, is like what happens for me is it's been a few years now, or two years of like trying to like really deal with this topic and realize like how much of my life has been me just reacting to this thing and telling myself I can't have this thing. I can't have this type of person in my life. I can't have, and like just walling myself off from like different sources of pain and that sort of thing. And like, uh, honestly, like, it's hard especially when you're like uh like i mean i i have that kind of those moments of like you know everything's meaningless and that sort of shit Mm -hmm. uh like i mean that's my default worrying that's actually probably the closest thing that i believe but at the same time i like my life better when i choose to think of it as like i like interacting with people i like Mm -hmm. doing these things and i like i just i just like it better i might not believe that it matters but that doesn't matter but who cares it, i want to not do even about i like it it's <laughs> not even about liking it it's it's it it fills me up you know like i need that connection in my I, it, it builds me you know like i i can't i i feel like i can't live without it and well, when go ahead oh i'm sorry i i just i just feel i feel strongly because i wanted to comment because i i felt like you know, you, you said something and I kind of laughed, laughed about it. And I, and I wanted to kind of explain my laughter because I wasn't laughing at it, at it. Uh, when you said, you know, we die alone, we are alone kind of a thing. Cause I, I want to actually talk about that because I think, I think that, you know, how you said that sounds very morbid, you know, and it's, there's a, there's, I think there's some truth. There is some truth to that idea, idea. But I also think that that it's not a, it's there's more to it than that because I think I think we're connected. I don't think I wouldn't I wouldn't go around I wouldn't say that I am alone and I die alone. <clears throat> I think that we are all connected, and and so you're not alone. You know, there's a piece of me in you, Alex. There is, and and it will always be. <laughs> it's, it, it's the tip. The tip is in. The, the tip is in right now. Even, that, even, that, even if it's just the tip. Like, 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 is that why I'm crying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like, I mean, like, next time, like, let him like loosen up a little bit before you get right in there. I, I just, <laughs> but I mean, you think about you think about it, and like a lot of like the groundwork. I'm I'm not an expert at this, so this is not this isn't the Kelton and Brad podcast. <clears throat> but when you think about like some of the groundwork they're doing in quantum physics and stuff like that. Like there are some very interesting things that I think have very interesting life implications. And some of this, and some of that stuff uh, I've, I've been trying to dive into it to, 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 but I'm, I'm just not smart enough and don't have a lot of time. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, but that's kind of like, part of it is like how, how things are, conne- how things are connected and like, and, you know, it, we're not. This is maybe a topic for another day, but it goes. It it will. If I go down this road, it'll start talking about some of my uh, beliefs, my spiritual beliefs. You know, my beliefs about God and what that is, and and not religion, not not that. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about God. I'm talking about spiritual uh, things here, but like. But there is a connection between us. I is what I believe, and so whether you, so when you die and you're alone in your head you're not alone you're we're, none of us are alone we are all one <laughs> Man, very hippie thing to say maybe but like we are all one we we are all made from the same things <laughs> the whole universe is made out of you know it's like it's we're all connected i believe that we all bleed red you know what i mean like well, we all bleed the same color as far as the connection goes for me, I know it's a, a literal definition of it, but it's, it's, we're, we're all the same in that fact. And I, I do believe that, but I guess for me, I was saying I get trapped in my own head mm-hmm. and that that's my reality that mm-hmm. spins me into this like mm-hmm. horrible place of filling the gap for everyone ever that has ever said anything to me 
my entire life. And it's so nice to have that open communication. Like Lauren is one of those people that I, I feel comfortable now. Like when I say something that if it's going to upset her, she's going to tell me instead of me having to figure out whether or not she's upset with me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I appreciate mean, that. It, yeah. I mean, like, so like, I do want to like kind of bookend on something. And I do think that we're going to have a, what's the bit with like, uh, God, religion, magic, whatever the fuck we're going to call it. But like, I think we're skirting around this issue or touching upon this, this topic of like, all three of us feel that there is a love, an element of existence that is outside of like who we are, like inside our own person and the body that we are like, and like, I think that like, there's this really kind of interesting detail of like, my favorite author, like kind of mentioned this in one or many of his books, but like this idea that like any technology that is sufficiently advanced enough, if you take it like back in time and like, you know, primitive culture, like interacted with it, their only explanation of that technology would be that's magic. And I kind of think about like what that would be with us moving forward. Like what happens if like these feelings that we have between each other, like, you know, we say that there's an energy or we're calling it God, or maybe it's spiritualism, or maybe it's just, you know, the vibrations or it's like, we have this kind of feeling, but like the, the fact of the matter is, is like our senses were limited people were viewing the world, you know, through a haze. Uh, maybe someday, there'll be like the, the, the spectrometer that reads alpha brain waves or some weird thing. And it can tell, oh yeah, there's this discernible detail. And now we know what it is. It's measurable and we can gauge it of, of why and how people connect. But for us, we don't know what it, that is, but we don't, for me, I don't need to know what that is to be able to know that there's something more than what I am. I mm -hmm. don't really care what it's called anymore. Right. Like maybe I look at the world through like a lens of like Lutheran Christianity because that's the way I was raised. But like, I don't really care if I call it that at all, fucking at all. Like, I just know that like there are people that I have a connection to and I feel like I can read and that maybe like, and that, that person that I can trust the words coming out of their mouth. Like, even if they're negative or something like that, I can trust and, and, and read that. And then like, so I, I guess what it comes down to, I guess the bit here with rejection is to trust your gut maybe i i don't know if that's but like my gut for me. i mean i like i have I, diarrhea a lot so who knows <laughs> because my, my gut oh, okay i've got that problem too i think there's it's around trust i think there's a trust piece to it but i cut you off alex expand um if, it's, if that's for it for you the the gut um, because like we talked about like, what if you're wrong, you know what I mean? Mm. And you don't have the information and it's like, I do believe that most of the time my gut is telling me the correct information, but it may not be uh, yeah. the right information because logically there's a truth that I've blanketed right. because my gut is telling me something else. Yes. Okay. So let me let me reword uh trust, trust your gut after you have gone back to like emotional equilibrium so for me okay so for me i find my emotional equilibrium is after i wake up so if i'm going through something no matter what i do i have to go to sleep because i will hyper focus on these on this stimuli and like like this idea of like don't go to bed angry that's the worst fucking thing you can say in the wor world to me because i will just stay up and i will write email <laughs> i'll put it into words how upset and angry i am about this that and the other thing but like sometimes the right thing for me to do is to just power it down go to sleep try to come back into it and then reassess like okay why am i angry okay it's this this all right well, do i still have this feeling is it still is the pain like continuing okay well then i have something to do with it or has it subsided and maybe that was just my re uh re but like realistically for me, I do spend a lot of time uh, doing sanity checks. I have at least a couple. What does that mean? So I have a couple people that I, I will just say, this is the stuff that I'm going through. This is the way that I'm feeling. Am I? I mean, I'll, I'll just cut straight to the thing, but I, I, this isn't the words that you should probably use, but like, am I crazy? And they'll be like, yeah, 
you're crazy about this tie. You need, you need to like try to see it from their viewpoint. And I'll be like, okay. And I trust <laughs> them enough and they trust me enough to know that that's not going to upset me. And then other times they're like, yeah, I can see why you're upset. I might not be as upset as you are, but I know that that's the cost of doing business with you, Tyson. It's worth it. But if you don't trust them, then maybe they're still not telling you the truth though. So then what's the point? Well, that's what I, that's why I said like, it all comes down to like having that one, it starts with one person, right? Taking that leap of faith, having a leap of faith with one. Yeah. It well, And, and I, what, where I got to with the bit is, is trust your gut, but know that it can be wrong. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, get, but, yeah. I mean, it, it, everyone can be wrong. Every, like, even your friend that you trust can fail you. Like there has to be some grace all around. There has to be an understanding that, yeah, you, you thought you could trust someone. You, you said something to them. They, they did run away. And, and there has to be, you have to be able to show them grace. Like, like they, they are in, we're all in our own like place on this journey dealing with things that no one else knows you know and so you just you gotta have a you gotta you gotta keep the cement wet is a, a term i've been i've been uh using lately where it's like don't don't let things f harden <laughs> don't get, what what what, what don't company are you working for <laughs> don't let don't let your beliefs harden you know you know take in the information make have beliefs but the moment you start saying that it's a concrete block that can't move is is the moment you be you there's a problem like new information can come in all the time people can change someone can come back and say you know i disconnected because i needed my space and now i'm back you viewed it as disconnecting and i did disconnect I, it's true I, I wanted to say screw you but i thought about it and now i'm back and because i and I need you to have that allowance for me to just be a human that makes mistakes and do doesn't have things together every second of every day. So I want to I want to say tangibly for me what the bit with rejection is the board game. Sorry, uh, because you're in a relationship with these people and the goal is to get all of your pegs to the end. But mm -hmm. you're supposed to do it with other people. And there are going to be times where they step on you and send you back into your place. And it's like, whether or not you were ready for that, that's still, you're, you may take that as rejection, but that was just the cards that was dealt. Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's, that, that triggers a lot of thoughts in me. Uh, and, uh, I can tell you that the people in my life that stick around are always the ones that can hear me say the words, I'm sorry. And that they will go through the ritual of forgiving me. And I and I, I will ritualize it. I'll be like, I would like to be forgiven. They're like, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm like, no, like, I mean, I would like you to say that I'm forgiven because that that that's meaningful to me. And they'll be like, okay, well, you're forgiven. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then when they they come to me and say they're sorry, like I'm always like, you're forgiven. It's all right. Well, let's try and like talk about what we need to do about this, what that, and the other thing. But like this, it's I do struggle with people who don't have a spirit of forgiveness, don't know how to extend grace, don't have, you know, like holding grudges, that sort of stuff. Like those people are hard for me. They're really hard for me. And and, and uh, let's be let's be clear that you, you can have boundaries. You can forgive and have boundaries. That's true. Forgive does not mean that you have to trust them with your life again. Like you can put things in place to not get burned. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. Like, I agree with that wholeheartedly because it's just like, uh, I mean, like I, I, I'm having problems with my mom I have for like a year. Well, actually much longer than that. Uh, but I haven't spoken to her in a year. Um, she hasn't Why seen, uh, uh, you know, like it's interesting that like, you know, one bad president in a pandemic can destroy relationships. So but that's a big part of compassion for me uh, because I, I felt that um, from a lot of people in their families, the, the baby boomer generation um, really sticking with their, their guns, if you will, uh, not on purpose for that term, uh, but to, 
to be able to produce all these loving and compassionate beings, regardless of, of political parties is, is, it was so abundant in so many of my, my friends relationships and, and their parents stopped talking to them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like for what? Cause you're compassionate towards everyone. In, in a sense, like because of your your viewpoint of humanity, yeah, it it's interesting detail because like I know that like like for my mom, like this is me projecting or me making statements that I believe are true about my mom, but like I mean she was going to disagree with this, so I mean I shouldn't just label her this way, but I believe or I feel that she is very vested in a sense of feeling like she's right. Like she associates it to being good and bad. And like, she wants, she wants to be on the good side. She wants to be a good person who does the right thing, makes the right decisions. Like she likes that duality, like, you know, the star Wars, she wants to be a Jedi. She really does. But like when we have a world of grace and like, sometimes, you know, there, there isn't right and wrong. Sometimes there's just stuff in the middle and, like that's a struggle to her and when we get into these conversations and then she starts associating things that from people who she trusts and like there's this tangential aspect of like oh well now because this person that i believe says this then i also must believe that their things are good and like it just extends and there's this polarization well anyways rejection yeah we yeah we know where it's going but like yeah like She's rejecting everything that I'm standing for because she has somehow labeled a number of the things that I cling to as wrong. So therefore, I as a person am wrong and therefore she can't accept me. It's hard. It's hard to hear from someone. I love you. But. And you can finish that sentence however you want. But you hear, I love you, but pretty much for and after that sentence, it's fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah. I, that's <clears throat> that's that's something that I've learned in the recent past as well, where as soon as there's strings attached to that love, it ain't love, man. Like that's just not mm-hmm. if 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 it's if it's dependent on anything, what I mean that's it's it's, it's tough to deal with. I mean, like, and I think that's, we're going to, we're, we're going to take a deep cut back to like previous episodes. You know, we, we, we talked about like, what is unconditional love or what is conditional love? Like, I think that love is conditional, but like, and then it's all right to say what those conditions are so that you know where the, per- like, you know how you're interacting with somebody. Like my mom's conditional love with me is she loves me as long as she believes that she's going to be able to see me in heaven. But the way that she believes is that if I don't go to church the way that she does, is that I'm not going to be there with her. So from a very defensive standpoint, why would you want to connect with someone and inform a deeper attachment with somebody who's not going to join you in the afterlife? Mm. Like I can understand why she is drawing away. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Anna suggests, Anna suggests what the bit was. If, if you guys said, is the bit accepting rejection? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- in some regards it is. Because, like, I mean, isn't that kind of how we put up borders? Where we're talking about, like, sometimes you have to put up boundaries with people. You accept that things are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it's accepting it and also, but being ready for that reconciliation, too. Understanding uh, yeah, that reje- I love that idea. I love having like, hope. Well, like, because re- re- rejection doesn't have to be final. Yeah, you could have been rejected, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be final. And 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 you can't control the other side, but you can control that you are pre- you're preparing yourself for a day when that comes, and even if it never comes, why why is it a laugh? I'm not so, laughing. I'm breathing. So, so, so in this regard, in this regard, like, honestly, if my mom stays wet, I mean, changeable, like, <laughs> then she'll be able to accept me back. And well, but while she's not, I mean, she's rigid. Uh, like, I also, I also think there's a bit that, that was a theme today that was 
around finding people that you do connect with that you can yeah. have that vulnerability with and uh, interesting like this week i watched this so 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 the bit for me would be like a monkey experiment experiment because i i saw this clip and they were talking about this experiment that the that people were doing with monkeys and they uh whether whether this is humane or not uh is not the point um i'm hanging on everywhere <laughs> but they had they had a monkey in a cage and they 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 uh induced like uh they were measuring his like his stress levels and they introduced him to a lot of stress so like flashy lights loud music crazy things and they were measuring the stress levels and the stress levels were tangible like measurable and um and and stuff <clears throat> they then they then uh kept the same the same stress things they they didn't change anything about the stress that they were introducing to the monkey all they did was open the cage and add a second monkey close the cage and the and the stress levels on that monkey reduced 50 yeah. percent just by having a buddy with them mm -hmm. and um and so i think that's that's a strong that's a strong thing to just getting through life getting through rejection and having a someone there with you just and being that person for someone else just being a buddy uh when they're dealing with that yeah i think i agree with that the the times when i have that connection it's it doesn't seem uh as hard to deal with you know like it, it still may be difficult sure but to have that person to kind of to give some of the burden to i guess emotionally is is important in order to deal with whatever your stress is definitely i mean i think that like the 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 picture that you painted there of like it wasn't just that you had a, a buddy you, they added another monkey to the same situations the same situation that was vulnerable so they're vulnerable to the same things that you are and they're in the same exact situation you are so they it feels like they're they're walking in your shoes like every time i've had Fair like a, dis, a, a, a disagreement with somebody that i worked with like if i got to the point where like i, just, I can't fucking stand like tanner over there because like he's such a dick and like but like if i get if I take Tanner out for lunch and I can find just one thing that we're like, we have some sort of similarity where I can bond with him, or maybe I can like ask him something and we are, we're in more of a vulnerable like space where he doesn't feel like he's got to defend like his position at his job. We're just out at lunch. Who gives a fuck? Like if I can find something that I can resonate with him, like maybe I don't have to walk a whole mile in his shoes, but if I can at least like, you know, try him on for size and see what they're like, like this, this idea of not just having a friend, but having a friend who makes you feel like they're with you or at least trying to understand the same situation you are in. Like we all have friends, but like there are, there are moments where we get into like a relationship with a friend where they see something that they didn't like about us and then they didn't take the time mm -hmm. to find out what it was really about. And that's when we feel the most judged. Like if you can just say, Hey, look, there's this thing you don't know about me. I'm going to show it to you. And if you're in your knee jerk reaction, I can't believe you're fucking doing that. And you're like, Oh God, it's stab twist. And then you just feel like you're going to be dead. But if somebody says, well, I don't know what that is, but instead they sit down calmly and be like, why don't you tell me about it? Mm -hmm. That's so much better. Well, yeah. and also getting tools to deal with, with that. So, cause, because we live in a world of a, millions of people that that's how they respond to things mm -hmm. and it's just how they are and and they are either because they're ignorant they, they don't know better or because they're dealing with stuff and to be able to you know maybe there's an extended conversation on another one of these where we identify some tools when that happens like how do you bring control like and some of it's some of it's very stupid probably like just just about your tone of voice so like you mm -hmm. tyson like if they're flying off the handle if you can just bring back the, the conversation to, Hey, I, I know, I, I know something I said just bothered you. Can we sit down and talk about it? And like, you know, cause then we can get into like mere neurons too, like this idea that you kind of reflect the same thing, same energy as the person you're talking with. I think it's difficult though, to have those conversations via tech space though. Yes. Oh yeah. It, 
And that's been so prevalent in my life the last couple of weeks that like nobody seems to want to like visually speak and, mm-hmm. and I can't communicate what I'm saying properly via text. And almost everybody in my life knows that I leave words out of sentences and that I misspell words. And like, honestly, for the most part, people know what I'm saying, but they assume they know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like that's definitely something I learned over 2020 because so much of our text became, uh, our communication became virtual. And like, I realized that like when I write, because I have like a mental game that goes on that has to do with insecurity with the way, like I almost failed high school. So like when I write, I like, I hyperanalyze what I'm writing and I don't want to like be the stupid kid I thought I was in high school. So like I, I write more professionally that you don't really see kind of who I am. And then people, because it's such a departure from my, normal cadence the way that i speak that they're just like well he must be mad and then they start associating things that aren't right. there and i'm just like you know like the one thing that has been nice about like say platforms like tiktok or like this particular like this interaction with this podcast i can see you guys mm, uh, like i mean like i mean when we take all of the the data about like our face is meant to communicate it's why we have all these muscles and why it moves and like all of these different things and right. when we just decide, oh, we're gonna we're gonna rip all of that away, and then we're just gonna make your brain do all the work with just these glyphs, and you're gonna mm-hmm. and you're gonna make sense of them, without tone, content, like where the person's coming from, their general feeling of energy in the room, all of that sort of stuff. So like being able to connect with someone and have these conversations in in person is much better. So I mean, I guess the bit here is like two monkeys in a cage at a Metallica concert is a good thing. But like, if you made them like text each other, they'd still be stressed. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Like, That's what the bit is. <laughs> well, well, I have a question. Will you guys be my monkey buddies? Hell I'd yeah. love to be your monkey buddy. I'd love, I'd love for you to be inside me, Jordan. Uh, that's our show. We'll see you next week. Bye. Uh,